You're listening to DraftKings Network. Today on The Cool Games, we are talking about Kevin Durant and what? his interest in American soccer. It's about time. <laughs> That's right. He's joining LA Galaxy. <laughs> no, because they're going to win. No, I'm only kidding. But also, we have Jimmy Conrad on the show. You guys know him. He's our spirit animal. He's our spiritual leader. He's my life coach, and that's why it's not going so well. He's going to be on. It's going to be an amazing conversation. That and more on this episode of The Cool Legends! Hi, this is Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger, and you are listening to our best friends and favorite comedians, The Cooligans, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, baby! energy that we're trying to send through the television <laughs> that's right and also my neighbors are hoping i don't send it through the walls as much uh still living room fc and it's still people in brooklyn going why does he do this every week <laughs> yes uh hello everyone welcome uh, to the show my name is christian polanco that's right and i'm alexis guerreros all right we are the cooligans we are your favorite stand-up comedians that host the funniest soccer show on television, on uh-huh. your phone, yeah, on your on your tablet, uh-huh. on your Kindle, right on your on your <laughs> on your computer, right <laughs> on your smart refrigerator, <laughs> we everywhere, son. <laughs> Yo, get some Cheerios, my dude. <laughs> but it's not just that; we're all sort of gulliest on all them platforms, baby. Correct. Uh, yeah, we're excited about uh, today's show. Uh, uh, excited about our guest Jimmy Conrad uh joining us uh and, and to talk about a lot of stuff but uh, I, mean, I can't believe he's finally gonna be on our show he's never been on this is amazing he's never been on the, <laughs> no. the television show yeah don't anyway, well uh, never never been on our show at all don't don't google that <laughs> just trust us it's gonna be a great interview. exactly so uh a, a lot going on uh at the moment is just there, let's, let's is there a little christian bit. i mean we're trying we're trying to cope alexis uh, that's <laughs> <You know>? mostly, <laughs> okay when i say a lot going on i'm talking about my therapy appointment i <laughs> just in his brain my dude <laughs> <laughs> no the uh let, let, there's a couple new stories that i, I want to make sure we get to before we bring jimmy on one of them uh kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, uh, we we saw a photo of him uh, a couple months ago uh, mm-hmm. where he was walking into the, the Philadelphia Union offices. Right. Uh, and at the and time, we just we saw, thought it was just him to hang out with his homie Fang. They go way back. <laughs> you know yo, what I mean? tapping up Fang was good. Uh, yo, Fang. <laughs> when Fang hatched, people don't know. Durant reached out right away. They've been homies since, since day one, you know? Okay. And day one was quite recently. And you right? know, it's not a long time, but. Uh, Compared no. to, in Fang's life, it is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but no, so we saw that, and there were a lot of rumors uh, because uh, Kevin Durant had shown interest in wanting to buy, uh, uh, you know, ownership stake in an MLS team. He had tried with DC United and was not successful. Uh, but the news now, uh, and it's not exactly confirmed, you know, where we are. We're recording this on June 9th, so we don't have the, right. all the exact details, but as of right now. In true Cooligans fashion, as soon as we stop recording, They'll release the information. (laughs) But as of right now, we all here's what we know is that maybe (laughs) he purchased the percentage. 
Yes, so it looks like Kevin Durant is uh, in, in one of the owners of, of the Philadelphia Union, which mm-hmm. is dope to hear uh, that NBA players uh, are, you know, we know James Harden also uh, purchased, uh, uh, you know, part of the Houston Dynamo and the Houston Dash. Uh, That's right. So... There, there's there's going to be a lot of uh, more overlap with, between soccer and and the NBA and and maybe the future of the uh, of MLS is going to be very dependent on NBA players and and the NBA in general. So I'm excited about this. Well, at least it just goes to show that MLS is in good standing, right? If NBA players are going to invest in it, yeah. At least NBA well, players have made good investments. You know, and, what I mean? and you see, and, and players, all of these. When it comes to how much respect you know athletes have for each other, NBA players and soccer players are there's a there's a, a bromance going on. They're almost uh, closer than Kevin Durant and Fang. Like that's how that's <laughs> how well like, they get along. Neymar, I you know with with uh, LeBron and Mbappe is like a big Le- Le- LeBron fan as well, and they, yeah. they all they're all fans of each other. Uh, um, LeBron James owns Liverpool. Uh, so I'm saying th- there's a real interest. These mm-hmm. NBA, NBA players know, like, yo, soccer. There's money in this soccer. This thing, is money yeah. in this. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 They've I'm been listening to, to the Euro players. <laughs> They're like, yo, Luca, Luca, been telling us <laughs> soccer's important. <laughs> so they're getting on it, man. I mean, uh, it, it's good to see, and I think it'll be a good. Um, uh, I, I, it's just good for the future of the sport in the country. Uh, uh, so, so that that's and one in of true them. fashion. James Dolan also wants to buy. He's going to try to buy Chivas USA. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> Gonna bring him back. <laughs> Damn it, James. <laughs> Win something. He's like, I want it. I just want to make them as good as the New York Knickerbockers. Uh, <laughs> they already so. are? Same amount of wins in the last few years? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. They, they, yeah. So it is going to be um, fun. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what um, the what the future of the Philadelphia Union is. Because, look, again, the, when, when you have uh, – say you have some event – uh, you know, for for season ticket holders or whatever, and it's like, yo, uh, Kevin, come yeah. through. Yo, fan, call your boy, call your boy KD. <laughs> Tell him to come KD. through. Take the drive from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> come through. Say what's up to these people. You know how excited Philadelphia Union fans would be uh, uh, to have, be huge. Uh, you know, uh, uh, such a huge figure like that, knowing that that, that that's a part of their club. That's amazing. So, uh, uh, yeah, exciting to see. Uh, and but yeah, continue to be excited about the future. Hopefully, of bigger, soccer. bigger stars continue to buy in MLS and just American soccer in general. It's only going to raise the profile of the sport. That's why we people need. who don't like soccer uh, be like, yo, if Kevin likes it, then I gotta, you know what I mean? Yeah, clearly, I'm, I'm the idiot. If I'm not yeah. on board. <laughs> Off the ranting? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so we're going to be joined by Jimmy Conrad uh, right after this. Uh, so uh, come right back. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show so far. Uh, we just want to give you a word from this isn't really a sponsor, but this is we, uh, a great place to donate, I think, uh, in light of everything that's happening. Yeah, there's uh, I mean, a lot of people have uh, just kind of wondered uh, what they can do to help and how, how to support with either the protests or talking about police reform or just getting more informed or uh, anything like that there. There's a, a, a bunch of uh, people doing great work, kind of compiling all that information. Uh, and one of them that was uh, really, really great uh, was a, 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 a link. It's called Black, BlackLivesMatters.card.co. With two uh, R's in card. Correct. And uh, uh, so, yeah, again, Black Lives Matters. Uh, dot card with two r's dot co uh and if you go to our uh twitter page uh, just ask soccer cooligans uh it's our pin tweet 
Uh, you can click on it. You can see. Uh, it's a big resource. It tells you like a lot of different places you can sign petitions, how to text who and how to text or call, where to donate, even more resources. Exactly. And even information for uh, if you're a protester, what, what to bring with you, what what to what best practices, how to uh, how to stay safe. There's a lot of information there uh, that, that I found super useful. Um, there's also uh, another link. If you just look at that thread, um, there's a, uh, a, a link called uh, secure.actblue.com, which is if you want to donate, some people don't know who to donate to. There's a lot of um, there's just a lot of places that you can help support. And, and it could be overwhelming or confusing. Or uh, you, you don't, don't know how much to give who, you know, or you, don't, or you don't even know if it's real. Right. That, that's been another like concern. Um, but this is another uh, great opportunity. If you do want to donate, like uh, you can donate to you make, basically make one donation and it split it amongst about like 10 different groups. So, like, so I'll read them. It's Black Lives Matter Global Network, Reclaim the Block, National Bailout, Black Visions Collective, NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, the National Police Accountability Project, Color of Change Education Fund, Unicorn Riot, Campaign Zero, Advancement Project, and the Marshall Project. So one donation to act to secure dot actblue.com slash donate slash ab underscore mn which again you could just click on it if you go to our social media but one uh if you go to our twitter i should say if you one donation will split that up amongst all of those different groups so you'll be able to support the entire lot in one chunk which is absolutely amazing exactly so um yeah please do that if uh you know if you know i know a lot of people are uh not in a place to be able to donate but this is why um uh looking at that resource from from you know the card.co link uh, there's other things that you can do. And it's not, if you don't have uh, money at the moment, uh, there's other ways you can help. So uh, I, I encourage everybody to check that out. Uh, and yeah, all we can say is uh, thank you for uh, listening to the show, for supporting, for for protesting, uh, for fighting for what is right and trying to initiate real change in the world. Uh, so we appreciate you. Uh, with that said, let's get back to the show. All right, baby, we're back here on the Cooligans, and finally, our guest is here. And Christian, I mean, guest? No, this is welcome anytime in our home. <laughs> exactly. You know, we'll 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 break social distancing rules for this man. He's the only yeah. one. <laughs> Take the mask off, buddy. Relax. Get on the couch. I mean, this is as close to a friend, a mentor, a a uh, I don't even know a Sherpa. You know, in this business, as we've gotten uh, a cult leader. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know what? Some would definitely say. He is. Uh, uh, listen, uh, you know, there's no one that that sprung to action quicker uh, when we said we wanted to start a podcast or after we did. Uh, and no one has helped us along this way. And really, no one has showed us both the do's and don'ts of this business more than this person. You may remember him for being the only person to ever score against Mexico for the men's national team. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Crazy I mean, how no one else has done it. <laughs> right? I mean, it's well, someone else will eventually, but until then, this man reigns supreme. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him. Put your hands together. Stop driving for the one, the only, Jimmy Conrad, everybody. Now that is an intro. Uh, I, I, am, I am looking for a publicist, so I don't know if you guys want to do it together or if you just want to alternate who's my publicist, but I really appreciate that intro, and, and I'm really proud of what you guys have accomplished. It's very cool to see. Uh, thank, thank you, you so much, man. Jimmy, it's uh, it's always uh, an honor to uh, to talk to you. Uh, this is the first time you got to do uh, our, our TV show. So this I know, is, uh, I know. Thing, hopefully, th hopefully next time I'll be in studio in my yes. leopard print Speedo or whatever I decide to wear, and it should be a lot of fun. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to take that as a promise. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tuxedo top, Speedo bottom. 
I'm, re- I'm ready for any occasion, ultimately. When I wear them. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, Jimmy, there's uh, there's so much we can talk about. Uh, so le- first, let's start with um, kind of the, the the last couple months and and uh, the obviously the lockdown and, and coronavirus. And and you have been uh, obviously you are uh, coaching the San Francisco Glens, and you you also do a lot of other things. Uh, whether you're on camera, traveling the world, uh, talking about you know, kids playing video games uh, right. <laughs> well, in FIFA tournaments. Um, it's like the background behind you. You're busy <laughs> as hell. <laughs> yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how has uh, that lockdown uh, affected your life personally and professionally? Yeah, great question. So I'll just get right to it. Professionally, I lost all my work. Uh, yeah. and, and I can say that with a smile on my face because on the personal side, I've got to spend more time with my kids. Uh, they might not feel the same way because now I feel like I'm really brainwashing them to the best of my. They're like, can you just stop showing the goal against Mexico? You know, we got it. You're a big deal. You don't very get small Cheerios yeah. until you tell me who was standing where. They're like, we get it. You scored against Osvaldo Sanchez. You know, uh, they they always feel bad for. I think they actually do feel bad for Osvaldo at this point. But uh, no, no, it's been good to be around them in a more meaningful way, and I think. The best way that I can describe it is the fact that when they're gone and they're back at school, I feel like I'm going to have a void in my life not to be around them like that at, at any moment. To, to be able to share these, you know, to be around when they're thinking about things or even if they're playing and, and, and working with their Star Wars figures. I've passed on all my Star Wars stuff, and I think you can tell I'm a Star Wars fan. Not a fan of some of the movies of all nine that are out there, at least in the episode. <laughs> Different conversation, but yeah, but yeah it's, it's been good on, was great, on that though. side. Mandalorian is fantastic. I've never seen a Star Wars film, so this is a very different show. Uh, You guys should be having this conversation. (laughs) If there was more pizza in Star Wars, Alexis would be all over it. Buddy, well, I, well, maybe Spaceballs was your thing with pizza. I did hut. see Spaceballs. Yeah. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's it's been good, and I think uh, on a professional level, it's allowed me to try a few things that I had kind of brewing inside. I've got the thing called the Soccer Minute, which you know is very short form, get mm-hmm. in and get out, kind of informative but funny news. I'm working on a podcast that is a little bit more serious with a sports psychologist friend because we're talking about the mental side of the game because. You know, when you evaluate players, it's always physical, technical, tactical. But I think we both know, or we all know, excuse me, that that who's going to have a long, successful career is usually what happens between the ears. And so we're trying to explore different things there. We'll drop that very soon. Uh, but that's that allows why, me to, to explore that, stuff wh- that I don't usually get to talk about in a more meaningful way. That's why Quincy Ameriqua is always doing this, you know? Yeah. That's, how, that's how he's succeeded, that's also, getting, getting in people's heads. It's <laughs> also why I didn't have a career in sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I also did want to ask about the, the soccer minute because uh, I, I've been seeing a, a lot of the clips that you posted. And it is, uh, I, I love the approach of uh, especially using that short amount of time to really antagonize people who make fun of. Major League Soccer, and it's really great because you you see, uh, it's a it's an easy digestible way to throw in people's faces that it's not just MLS players that make defensive errors or uh-huh. uh, so on and so forth. Uh, what has been, you know, some at least some of the the, the feedback on that uh, when you do those? Yeah, anytime I come in hot at the Euro snobs, uh, it's it's they always come with well. 
you know, that might happen once in the Bundesliga, but, you know, like, it happens every week in MLS. I'm like, dude, shut up. You know, yeah. like, can you just acknowledge the fact that these types of mistakes happen everywhere? And what's funny is now that the Bundesliga got out, out in front and became the first league to come back, it has shown that maybe the Bundesliga isn't as good as people thought it was. Because, because when all the leagues are going on, you're like, oh, cool, you saw Bayern Munich do something, or Jaden Sancho did something for, for Borussia Dortmund, or one of our young Americans did something over in the Bundesliga. Uh, and, but that's all kind of blend, blending in with the Premier League and La Liga and MLS, whatever else is going on. And then uh, when it's only the Bundesliga, you're like, wow, these teams are actually... They're kind of scheisse, as they like to say, <laughs> over, over in Germany. Like these, these guys aren't very good. And like every week I've got some new material for Coach Jimmy is the, is the series yeah. that I, I like to do. So It's gotten uh, to the point now where when I see them mess up in Europe, I do this. You do the beginning <laughs> of your clip. And I'm like, here we go, baby. Coach yeah, Jimmy. I mean, people, people send me clips now to kind of goad me. Like, are you going to talk about this one? Are you going to talk about this one? Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, cause, and that's been the thing. When, when we went to Germany to actually watch uh, uh, Bundesliga matches, that was kind of the first thing I noticed. So I'm like, this, I mean, yes, they're, they're good players. I'm not taking anything away from them. But the, the, the level isn't wildly higher than Major League Soccer. Uh, uh, and, and, and the one thing, you know, I, honestly, look, as a person, I just watched the game. I didn't grow up playing. But the, the one thing you clearly notice uh, in the difference between a lot of the leagues and like, like, and, and I would say La Liga and uh, Premier League is uh, are at the top here, is how quickly, uh, how easily players can trap insanely fast passes. That's yeah. really, the, to me, the only, only real difference uh, in the game. And in Bundesliga, they, at MLS, you kind of, they're not that far apart when it comes to the lacking quality there. Yeah, I would say the thing that I noticed throughout my career when I kind of moved up the ladder from even from high school to college, right? What, what, what you see there, the gap is people make, make less mistakes. And, and then as you move up the ladder, you go, okay, college to pro. Okay, people make even less mistakes. But if you make a mistake, they're probably are going to have a good chance on goal, okay? You get up to the national team level, right? You're playing in friendlies. You're playing in the Gold Cup with the U.S. or whatever. You, give up, you have a little half mistake. That could turn into a goal. You play in a World Cup, you're gonna, absolutely going to get punished. Like every half mistake is almost a goal, if not a goal. And that's what I think the biggest difference is. If you're, if you're Bundesliga to the Premier League or Premier League to the Champions League or whatever it is, this, this, right. it's just those fine margins. But what, those, what makes those guys so good is that they consistently do everything right and usually make the right decision on the ball, right? They, they just, the way they process information, uh, they just do it a little bit quicker than how we do it over here, let's say, on a consistent basis. I think we have players that definitely could go play over in the Premier League and do well. Miguel Almiron is a good example of that, right? Did well for Atlanta. Clearly, he's got some quality. He goes over there, and he fits in seamlessly. If not, helps Newcastle take a step, uh, take <laughs> one more step. And that's not hard because they're not very good. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think, I think he showed that, that uh, he's one example of guys that I think can go over and play and, and fit into a team no problem. So I just think there's a stigma against MLS that is very unfair and so I use Coach Jimmy and some other platforms uh, and other uh, <laughs> other ways to <laughs> just like ease up already. You know, I mean, it's it's not as bad as people make it out to be.
All we right. love it. And that's why you have Gully AF on the back wall. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But I want to ask um, uh, Jimmy because you've been uh, outspoken about this, and and you know, and frankly, you are the the first uh, player who is uh, white who has been on the show where we can talk about this as well and get uh, this perspective as well because we uh, you know we, we spoke to CJ Sapong uh, uh, about you know the racial issues uh, kind of in the country and within soccer and how to kind of help uh, being. An ally. So, uh, you know, a, a, as a player, um, what do you feel is your sense of responsibility or, um, or, or just things that you can do to, to, to kind of push that needle forward of, of having those uncomfortable conversations and, and f kind of helping that within soccer? I know you've also been very vocal about, you know, the, the lack of diversity in soccer. Uh, so what do you think is the next, like, uh, you know, some of the steps forward? I think first and foremost, it has to be or there has to be a moment of self-reflection, maybe more than one moment, where you look through the lens of what it must be like to be a black player. I have taken this time since everything broke to not only be vocal and supportive of the black community, of course, but to wonder what it would have been like had I been black to go through my path, right? To go, I, I, I wasn't recruited out of high school. I walked on in college. I didn't get drafted into MLS. I had to go down to the lower leagues and fight you know, and then, then didn't get a, my first cap at the national team until I was 28. So I'm a, I'm a little engine that could, a late bloomer. But even then, and I and I I feel like yeah, sure, I struggled and I had to fight, you know. And but then you start to laugh, like it's nowhere near what it would be like if I had been black. What well, what would my path and journey have been if I was black? So that leads me to bigger questions, like if I was trying out as a black player and I tried out for the Galaxy and all that. What would I have had to have done different that I'm not thinking through because I just was never exposed to it? Or do I have to talk to the coaches a different way? Do I have to be less threatening, you know, to, the, to the, my teammates to feel like I can be included? I mean, just all these little layers and little micro things and pressures that you'd have to be under just because of the color of your skin. I, I can't even imagine what that's like. So I feel like having empathy and thinking through how that would change your journey and path is, is step one, I think, for a lot of people. And then second is just listening. Go talk to your teammates. You know, I actually, in some similarities, I was around a lot of Spanish speakers. And I would always kind of go with the jokes. You know, I'd, I'd throw out the, the choice expletives or if there was any, uh, you know, Mexican players on the team, I'd throw the no mommy sway out there, you know. And, yeah. and as a captain and as a leader, I was trying to find ways to, to bridge those gaps. But I don't feel like I ever took... The, the time that I could have and really took advantage of sitting with them and listening, even if it wasn't even my native tongue, to understand it. And, and I'm trying to learn Spanish now because I think it would open me up to a whole nother world and culture in a more meaningful way. I already have a ton of respect for the Spanish-speaking countries, but, but uh, I'd like to take it to the next level. And I think in some ways it's, it's going and sitting and understanding and bridging that gap uh, with, the, with the players around you and understanding where they're from and what their struggles are and, and as a leader how you can help them. You know, if they're, if they're having a tough time maybe talking to another teammate or a coach or whatever it is, uh, that would be, I think, really important, as you say, to, to, to speak as an ally. Now, I'm going to give you one example and, and one that I'm not – it's not that I'm not – I guess I, I just wish I would have taken the extra step. And I, and I had Kai Kamara. I'm doing this new Twitch show. And, and I had Kai Kamara on. And, and ultimately, I was going to have Kai on regardless, of course, but because he's such an amazing personality. But I really wanted to ask him because he's got two really – interesting angles. One is, what is, it, what is it like to be black in America? 
And then second, because he came from Sierra Leone, what does it mean to be an immigrant in America, right? So he mm. has a really unique perspective. And if you, I'm basically pushing him to be a guest on your show in the future. Oh, but he, he, he was just okay. on like, like three, four weeks ago. Okay, great, 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 great. Because he, yeah. he is fantastic. So it was really it, 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 great and informative to talk to him. And I told him this example as well to kind of hear his thoughts. But when we were playing in Real Salt Lake City, against Real Salt Lake when they're still at the really crappy Rice Eccles, whatever the hell that thing is, with the worst turf that took years off your career when you played on it. We had a a black player who was warming up behind the goal, and somebody threw a banana at him. Holy. Yeah. Well, first they threw like a a empty Jack Daniels bottle at him. And then then they threw a banana at him. Now, we're playing, so I didn't know. I'm captain of the team. Didn't know. And he comes back in, and this is where it gets a little foggy, and I haven't talked to him in a while, and, and I won't say his name because this is his story to tell ultimately, but I want to give it as an example of, of where I think we could be, the, 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 as white players, we could be more supportive. Now, when he came and he told us, I can't remember if he told us after the game when we were still in the locker room or if it was at the hotel, like at the team meal or whatever it may be. He told us, and we were immediately very supportive and angry that he got exposed to that type of behavior and that that anybody would subject another human being to that. So we were all very upset. Now, he was, I think, maybe reluctant to tell us in some ways, but I'm glad that he did. Now, we went and told our coaches. Our coaches told our our office, and I think our our office told the Salt Lake people. Now, again, I'm still speculating that all these steps actually happened. I don't know. There was no, nothing happened ultimately, and I think this is what ha- – now, social media, Twitter wasn't around yet, so this kind of dates me a bit. I wish social media had been around. I wish that we had had an outlet and a platform to say something. Now, that being said, we still could have said something, and we didn't. We, we thought we did the right thing by kind of moving it up the, the chain of command and hoping – it's all hoping, right? We're all hoping that somebody's going to step up and, and be the person that takes that responsibility and says this is unacceptable. And then it just goes away and you just move on. Whereas this player has to live with this. Yeah. You know, and he has to walk this path. And he probably feels, he might still feel all alone with regard to that. Sure, we gave him that initial support, but, but we don't know what it feels like. And, and I can't remember, I, I, I'm sure we had other black teammates and I'm hopeful that he talked to them to have, find some, some commonality with somebody on the team that maybe yeah. has gone through that same thing. But but I really regret, especially as captain, not being more forceful, not going out to the press and saying this is unacceptable. And, and then when I read recently that Jessica McDonald, NWSL player and U.S. Women's National Team player, says that she's reluctant to go play their tournament in Utah because of some some racism that she's felt e- in yeah, Utah. The, the, secu- might, the security guard and her son and not, let, not yeah, letting her son get, get on the field. It's, yeah, I just think there's something to potentially explore there for, for the teams that, that reside in, in Salt Lake City. So, so I just and, – and this goes across the league, of course. We don't want any of our players being subjected to this. But, but that one for me, that, that was a great time for me to step up and be, be more of an ally to this particular teammate. And, and so I have my own regret towards that. And I told Kai about that, and, and he kind of gave me his forgiveness and said, no, it's fine. What you did was, was fine. And I said – I actually wasn't telling you the story to to tell me it was okay or how I behaved was was okay or to get get the pass the free pass as it were. I'm 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 telling you the story because I want to hear from your perspective what I could have done different. 
so that we can all learn from this experience. I know I could have done better. There's no question. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking to be uh, absolved from all that. But, 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 but so I'm, I'm sharing it here again because I think it's important to, to know that it exists, uh, even in places where you think it, it shouldn't or no way, no way. But, but it does. And, and how do we continue to have a conversation and blow that out into the open so that everybody can talk about it and hopefully resolve those problems and people can learn from it, especially our young people as they're starting to form you know, their opinions about, about the world in particular. Yeah, this is, you know, I'm glad you shared that. And I'm glad even even that perspective of like passing it up the ladder, because I think the idea uh, when we talk about systems in place to to, you know, to to get justice, I think the idea uh, that, frankly, as Americans, we generally have. But I think white Americans in particular are like, we have rules in place to yeah. fix this stuff. I will do the thing. I will pass it. I would pass it along to the, the the person with more authority than me. And I am sure yeah, this someone's in, like, we'll this call injustice. the authorities. And everyone's yeah. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this injustice will be sorted out very quickly. Uh, but it, <laughs> yeah. it is a, 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 an interesting thing to realize, uh, or at least now that like, hey, I thought I did the right thing and nothing was done. And uh, uh, and kind of, uh, the, but the importance the, the, is also sharing that story so the next generation hears that and goes, "Oh, I need to be a better ally." Or saying something to the upper upper whoever echelon isn't enough. You have to take the next step. You have to show constant support because at the end of the day, we're all people. You know what I mean? If somebody's mm-hmm. attacking one of your teammates, friends, whoever, they're also attacking you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like. Throwing a banana at a player is a horrific thing, but that's for everybody. You know, my first thing is, I right, well, let's square up with this dude. You know what yeah, I mean? Same. Like, I'm the same. Yeah. I, I wish I wish I would have seen it during the game because I feel like, I mean, this is me now, right? 2020 hindsight, I'm going to be the hero. I'm the captain. I'm going to run into the stands and beat this guy up, you know? But <laughs> yeah. I, I can't say for sure what I would have done, but I, I feel like I would have done something just knowing how I'm wired just because we're all human beings, you know? And I think in some ways I... I there's two things I want to say. One is I don't know where my messaging got stopped in the chain of command. Right. You know, was it, was it my coaching staff? Did they tell our, our people? And, and once the, our people potentially told it to Salt Lake, you think Salt Lake's going to want to make a big deal about, they don't want to, not tell they don't want to throw their butt, their fans under the bus. I'm sure they're embarrassed, but are they really going to say, Hey guys, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just going to bring so much attention to them. Unwanted attention. Right. Uh, and so they don't want that either. So I could see where it could it could have stopped uh, in a few different places. Um, we were talking a little bit about sort of how different uh, things are, and you're able to look back, in particular with something going on like the quarantine. I know you're a coach of USL too. Uh, they have canceled the season, but think back to your time in MLS. I mean, things are so different with the potential Orlando uh, competition. Not potential. It is happening. The Orlando competition, uh, finishing the season potentially in empty stadiums. How do you think it would have been different in your time when you played in MLS had there been a pandemic? Have you been able to think about that? Because I know when you played, things were very different. Yeah, I was changing out of the back of my car. locker rooms. I I assume that they probably – I don't know if the league would have folded, but I think it probably would have been a pretty easy decision to just furlough everybody and then – once everything was in the clear, they could start up the league again. I mean, that's how really bare bones everything was. Now there's a lot more sophistication. The infrastructure is a lot stronger. 
And it's a proper professional league in a lot of different ways. I was going to say, though, with the Orlando thing, I don't know why this joke came to me because everybody calls MLS a Mickey Mouse League. And the fact that they're playing in Orlando <laughs> at Disney World, <laughs> it's true. They're going to be a Mickey Mouse League for 35 days as they right. figure out how they're going to do this. And the uh, retirement league thing, is there anything more retiring than going to Orlando <laughs> than going to Florida? I mean, I mean we're, we're ticking all the boxes here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should have did it in Ibiza, dude. <laughs> prove, <laughs> prove you're cool, man. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean uh, – I guess, yeah, looking back, uh, I think that they would have made that decision pretty early on and, and probably pulled the plug. But we had no players union back then, so it wasn't like we had much of a leg to stand on. Jeez. Yeah, there's, there's uh, you, you know, we saw the, um, I don't know if you uh, paid attention to the, uh, a, lot, a lot of players are speaking very publicly about not being happy with how the negotiations uh, went. Uh, I, I think there, we're, we're in a, a bit of a, this CBA felt like a bit of a turning point for the, the, play, the, the American soccer player kind of demanding a lot uh, more respect, especially, you know, in, in Major League Soccer. So it, it, there is is a you know c- compared to you know the league minimums uh in the past like now even if you are a, a league minimum player you depending on what city you live in uh you know that could be a good or, or you know or very bad thing but it does feel like uh, players are really looking out for each other a, a lot more and and um I, I, you know showing appreciation i think for the the the, the work that players like you did to build the league while changing in the back of your car. Do you know what I mean? Like they, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I'll hop in here because I was part of the players union, the first executive committee for the first CBA. And we knew based on the things that we were fighting for that we obviously weren't going to get everything. But what we needed to do, what was really important to us as a group was to put things in place, to plant some seeds so that the next generation of guys, the next CBA, two or three CBAs from now are standing on our shoulders in a really meaningful way and it set and it seemed like I was part of the the players union they had a symposium where I spoke to the rookies and tried to give them a little bit of insight on on what to expect you know there was a nice panel of us and we had a good time but it sounded like everything was great and and speaking to your point that everything felt like you know even the league was starting to respect the players and the players union in a more meaningful way everything felt a lot more professional and then the pandemic came, and it seemed like MLS, before everything was ratified, even though they agreed to all these terms, MLS started to kind of pull back on some of the things they had agreed to before and then threaten the lockout, which included taking away health care, which, yeah, I don't know too many players, you know, especially with young, with young children, are going to be big fans of that. And I think that sent the wrong message. And now, not to say we're back to square one, but there seems to be some real animosity between the two groups and – that's that's not a good thing, especially on the heels of hearing about so much positivity. Yeah, it's it, it's I mean, I get it. Like good negotiation tactics typically leave a sore taste, like a bad taste in mm-hmm. the other person's mouth, because if you use those same tactics for negotiating, let's say, a business contract or an end of a contract, that's fine. You're going to part ways. You're going to go. You're both mm-hmm. independent businesses, but you guys have to work together. So, you know, presenting yourself in such a strong alpha way in a negotiation where you're going to potentially take away healthcare during a pandemic, that's not going to leave a positive taste in anyone's mouth. Do you think the players have, do you think this is something that they're going to hold on to? Because so many people said the 2015 CBA negotiation negotiations oh the next one they're going to really push for the free agency and all that and it seems like those things haven't really come to fruition do you think there is that potential and it's going to come on the heels of a world cup so i think it's going to be it's going to be a big chance for the players there's a lot to unpack uh here with that question i would say from what i understand of 2015 i was 
with Kick TV at the time, we were working in the MLS offices, so I got to get a little bit of both sides in some ways, just in terms of water cooler stuff, you know, and, and trying to piece it all together. And from what I think about with, with I, f- I feel like the player pool was a little bit split in 2015, and I think the league did a pretty good job, as you say, good negotiating tactics of kind of putting a wedge between it. And then I, I, from what I understand, that didn't ratify with, like, unanimous. It was more like two-thirds ratified it. So there was a lot of frustration there. But this time it seemed like everything was fine. And, and I think what's probably the hardest thing for the players, if I can put my old you know, executive committee a hat back on, outside of this awesome one that I have on at the moment, <laughs> is that uh, the league came in being friendly and being amenable to the, the progress that, that we all can kind of see needs to happen at the player level, as well as the league, right? I mean, if you want that respect around the world to be considered not a Mickey Mouse league, there has to be some level of professionalism in a lot of different ways, which includes minimum salary and, and, and uh, salary caps, whatever, all the stuff that gets included in that. But So when you have that type of attitude and everything seems cool, then you go through this pandemic, which is a lot of adversity, and you, it, it's, it's we, we could argue, forcing people to work together in a positive fashion. And the league goes the opposite direction and starts to hardline and they threaten to take away health insurance. That must have caught a lot of the player pool off guard. And I think that probably is why you're seeing a lot more of this response. Now, if the league had been hardliners the whole time and then, then took this stance, it'd be like, well, that's what they've been doing the whole time. Yeah. But they, because they were friendly... And we're like shaking our hands and being nice, and then, and then decided to, ah, was, you know what? I don't want to shake your hand anymore. I, it, I, I get it. I get it why was, the players are upset. And now, yeah, I think it will impact the, the, maybe the enthusiasm to now go down to Orlando because I, I know there's still some teams and some players that aren't all that excited to, to go down there for 35 days and in a tournament that hasn't really been, you know, I'm not to say it hasn't been thought out. I'm sure they've done that, but. It seems it hasn't been solidified yet. Yeah, you know, we have a couple questions from uh, our Gully Squad members, our uh, our supporters group. Uh, uh, so I'm going to get through. Let's see how many we can get uh, through of these. Uh, so Chad Benty asks, who is your least favorite attacking player you uh, you went up against in your playing career? R9 Ronaldo. Guys, okay. wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and he's, other than obviously him being one of the greatest players to ever live, <laughs> is there something in particular that makes someone, especially for the way you defended, that makes them difficult or some just like annoys the shit out of you? Yeah, he just, you can't defend him. It's ultimately, is he motivated to play today or is he not? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to because he's so powerful and strong. And not only that, he, and I say that because I think of one example in particular where, it was me and Pablo Mastriani. We're playing a friendly at the Bernabeu against Madrid, and we threw together an all-star team back in 2005. You know, I don't need to tell you the score. It was a great experience. <laughs> but but he, he does this one thing where we hold him and Raul offside, and Beckham's got the ball, which is like I'm talking about a video game at this point. <laughs> and, and so we hold the line, and we do it perfectly, you know, which is good because that was the right play in the right moment. But then Beckham, without even looking, just puts the ball up over the top, and Roberto Carlos comes from like this – behind the half line and just starts bombing forward <laughs> and now we're like holy crap everybody's on side again you know so we're like trying to get back in the play and uh ronaldo turns around he already has you know a uh, an advantage on me he's already got a yard a yard but he slows up and puts his hand right into my throat <laughs> to get like another like another advantage and slows me down thankfully he didn't score on that play but i learned a lot in those 90 minutes because he was always looking to find these little small advantages to give him a better chance to do what he wanted to do, which was score goals. We gave him two half chances, and he hit the, he hit the side netting on both of them to score twice. Uh, the guy was incredible. He could do it with both 
both uh, feet. He could go either way. He could hold up the ball. He could run off your shoulder. His timing was excellent. I mean, there's just, you can't defend the guy. He's just so good. And his, I mean, what I loved is his change of pace too, right? You think you, you think you're going to get close and he's just baiting, he's baiting (laughs) you the whole time. You can't, you can't defend him because if, if, it also, it doesn't help that like Zidane's passing him the ball or Beckham either. But, <laughs> but if I try to get tight to him, that was just a cue for Zidane to be like, all right, let's put it up over the top, and now it's going to be a foot race. Then I'm not going to win, you know? So it's, The names uh, you're saying, this sounds like the <laughs> soccer version of Space Jam. Yeah, it really is. It's the Galacticos. They were so good back then. And uh, you can find the game on YouTube, but it's, uh, it was an incredible experience. You know, we weren't going to win if we had two weeks of training. What happened was... They usually have a friendly before the season starts in La Liga. And this game was supposed to be, I guess it's usually a smaller club. I think, I think tickets are free, so fans can just come in and, and you know, they cap it and then fill up the stadium. Well, that, that, that team fell through. Either there was a bankruptcy or something happened. So at that time, Beckham was negotiating to come to the league. He was working with Pepsi. Pepsi was going to be uh, was one of the sponsors of Madrid or whatever it was. They figured it out. So we got a call on Saturday night. Saying, hey, do you want to go play against Real Madrid on Tuesday? What a call. Yeah. <laughs> but my, my coach initially said no because I had been gone for eight weeks, six to eight weeks with uh, the U.S. men's national team for the Gold Cup. So this is after the Gold Cup. Yeah. And, and I was like, are you, what are you doing? This is, I, I get to play against some of the best players in the world that will probably go down to some of the best players to ever play. And you're just telling me no, because I might miss an open cup game. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. <laughs> like, like it, like against, you know, a fourth division team, no disrespect. Cause I coach the fourth division now, but like, it was a smaller, t- I'm going to go play against Real Madrid. And he said, no, I actually got, uh, told no. Thankfully, Chad Marshall couldn't find his passport, so this guy got to go. So they called me back. (laughs) Thank you, Chad Marshall. And uh, and so we met on Sunday in Chicago. And it was me, Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, Jaime Moreno, Pablo Mastriani, Frankie Haydick, Matt Reese was in goal, uh, Justin Mapp, you know. We had had, had, uh, Charlie Joseph. We had a good, solid squad. But we had never played together before. You have some all-star things, obviously some national team experience, so I know those guys a little bit better. But it was going to be a tall order for us. So we arrive in Chicago on Sunday. We take an overnight flight. We land on Monday. We go straight to the stadium to train. We're all like, what time zone are we in? You know, <laughs> yeah. But this is an awesome stadium. And then we take a tour right afterwards with some of the uh, Real Madrid front office. And they like give us I, – I mean, I still feel like the big days. Then we play one of the best club teams maybe to ever play in terms of assembled talent in ever – uh, on the Tuesday night, I mean, we yeah. were, we were gonna get stomped, and we just didn't have a chance. You know? Also, but, those tours—I took the tour. Of this uh, the Bernabeu, it, the it, trophy it, rooms. Dude. It's a—I mean, the intimidation factor alone. <laughs> and this is all of our trophies from the 1800s. Yeah. You're like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I can't yeah. see any of this. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a lot of. They have a lot of trophies, and we did that that tour as well. And, I mean, they're basically whipping it out and putting it on the table. Like, yeah. look, look, look how big our thing is. We're like, listen, yeah. we're not even competing here. We just yeah, want to, we're just here for the experience, you know? Yeah. So, I don't, we don't even have veins. Uh, yeah. We have trophy envy, okay? It, it was. There was a lot of trophy envy. Yeah. Uh, and he got big trophy energy, you know? <laughs> so, but again, I, I learned a ton in that. And, and what I learned the most was that, and I tell this, this part of the story to a lot of the younger players, was that, they could have taken it easy, and in some ways, they probably should have. They don't want to get hurt against some friendly opponent before a season starts. And these guys work their asses off. They are next level, and they're very efficient with how they move. Right? They don't. They don't waste energy. And I, I learned a lot there too. 
So when I came back and you come back to your club team and you start to see guys that are dogging it, you're like, dude, I just saw R9 Ronaldo, yeah. arguably the best number nine of all time, working his buns off to like run into the corner to, to, to press the ball because that's the right play to do. Yeah. It's not because he's too good to do it. He just does it because that's what the team requires of him to, to yeah, have success. Yeah. And so when you, I, 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 just, I just marveled at the lack of understanding of what it takes to be a good professional and, and – it, it was good. It was eye-opening for me, and it is an experience that changed my life despite us losing <coughs> 5-0. You know, it's like that. Maybe just, getting <coughs> one shot on goal. It just, just, you know, it doesn't. I just that's, love the th- that's how I it just, matters. I love the thought of, like, R9 being like, I'm going to embarrass Pablo Mastroeni today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he embarrassed all of us a couple times. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we did get a couple questions from Gully Squad. Now, three of these questions, Kyle Carr, Kyle Knight, and Eddie Barroso kind of asked roughly the same question. So I'm going to ask you. I'll just tell you, what did you miss most about Kick TV? Can they bring back Kick TV? And also, secondly, do you keep in touch with Ben's mom? Oh, well, yeah, that goes without saying. I'll start with the, the last question first. Yes, we, we stay in good contact, even through the quarantine. I'll add that in. So that's a shout out to all the, the people that watched Kick TV back in the day. Um, my favorite part about Kick TV was developing a team atmosphere in a production company, I guess, in some ways. Because for me, that's the thing I missed the most as a player was being in the locker room, being around people, BSing about real life. Obviously, when it's time to work, you work. But but that's the stuff that I miss. And so to be able to create that environment with what we had, I think, is why people were drawn to it as well. Because everybody would get on camera. We try to incorporate everybody in a really fun way. And everybody felt part of it. Whereas sometimes when you see other, let's say, traditional media companies, it's just there's the talent. The talent does the talent stuff. But the ones that I think that people are are drawn to are the ones that really incorporate a bigger sense of community. And, and I think that's why it resonated. And I wish it was still going on. And I think in some ways I try to replicate it in some of the other things that I do by myself. But obviously it's not the same. Uh, when, when Now, though, I have a little bit of a smaller team. We're trying to do something similar on Twitch, but I can talk about that a little more later. All right. Yeah, yeah they, uh, it, it's, uh, they, there is that... Um that Twitter account, Old Kick TV. Yeah. Uh, I don't, we don't know who runs it, but somebody is. People uh, think keep, we do know. Keep, we do not know. Keeping the memory alive of, of Kick TV. And I, I, I don't. I don't know who it is. It, when I look at um, Kick TV, even the people in Gully Scott asking questions, it's like there's a lot of you know guys in maybe their late twenties, early thirties that kind of really grew up with Kick TV and are you know it, it's obviously it, it's a part of like soccer nostalgia nowadays. It reminds me of like the way I look at comedians uh that i grew up with when i you know george carlin or like conan o'brien conan o'brien i feel like helped shape my teenage life Mm -hmm. because of of how i looked at comedy and stuff like that and and people look to you uh in that way to to some degree how's that how's that feel uh it's it's pretty surreal that's how i I feel about it because a lot of the things we were doing we were just trying stuff we were trying to throw stuff up against the wall and see what would stick you know, we did Kick TV Live. We were in the live space way, way early, and we got away from it. We did 88 episodes, though. I found that out. And, and we did one thing called uh, Kristen Press Your Luck, and um, it was with her before. You know, they won the 2015 World Cup, and we just did a game show. We were, like, making fun of Seth Blatter and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. You know, I mean, we were – I feel like we were ahead of it in a lot of different ways, and it's a shame in some capacity that people didn't see it, at least the decision makers, the money, the, the people with the money – didn't see it in the same way because I feel like if they had stuck with it, we could have been infinitely bigger right now and, and helped hopefully bring along a lot of different people and open up the umbrella to, to really nurture uh, the beautiful diversity that exists in the game. 
Glad you don't exist because that gave us a lane to get a TV show. Though, so. <laughs> Shouts to Kick TV for saying goodbye. <laughs> when, so it all worked out, I guess. Yeah. When you look at uh, Twitch, and I know you know it's going to have to be unfortunately a bit of a shorter answer, but what do you? What are some of the things that you hope to replicate from Kick TV? Well, so I'm doing a variety show. When I first started Twitch, I went live. You know, everybody just goes live for four hours or six to eight yeah. hours, and they're playing video games. And I didn't really want to have a video game backdrop. I'd play every once in a while, but that's not why I wanted people to come. And now I, f- I took a six-month break and kind of restructured what I wanted to do. Now it's called the Jimmy Conrad Power Hour, uh, you know, and we just have a lot of fun bits. And it, I, it has a lot of cues from what was happening to Kick TV Live and Kick TV in general. I've got a lot of some of the same players, Stack Geek in particular. And, and nice. then, you know, I'm obviously consuming content like yours to see uh, what you guys are doing and what hits and how the audience is responding to your style. And uh, I don't steal from you guys, but I don't not steal from you guys. You know what I'm saying? I think you guys <laughs> love know what I'm it, dude. Yeah, yeah. So you're learning think, from uh, us, like R9 running past you. You're like oh. exactly, yeah. You're sticking, you're sticking your hand in my throat, and I'm learning from that experience. But uh, yeah, so we're doing that, and obviously I've got that that soccer minute where it's like short form, very digestible, very quick, yeah. snackable. I think they say content got coach jimmy and and so so yeah, many great on, things to see on the yeah jimmy there's a lot conrad and i try to try to have a personality on every platform all right thank you so much jimmy conrad uh for joining us our our dear friend our cult leader uh <laughs> we, we're, we're getting the, the the jimmy conrad tattoos very soon uh jimmy is there anything you want to let people know uh before we sign off well, I uh, enjoy long walks on the beach, and I'm an Aquarius, so I just want to make sure that. Plus, plus, uh, you can find me on most social media at Jimmy Conrad, and then come check out my new Twitch show if you got some time. I got some cool guests, and you can obviously go video on demand and watch any of the stuff. But yeah, I really appreciate uh, having me come on and and getting to talk with you guys is always a very enjoyable experience. Uh, it's a blast, yeah, the dude. absolute best, uh, buddy. So uh, okay, so make sure you follow Jimmy Conrad on all social media. Follow us at Soccer Cooligans at Fubo Sports as well, uh, and subscribe to the Fubo Sports YouTube channel if you'd like to see full episodes of the show. So with that said, for Jimmy Conrad, my name is Christian Polanco, and my name is Alexis Guerreros, and together, what are we? The, the Cooligans. Nice. <laughs>